that we're reminded that the most beautiful story was the story of Jesus. From Genesis to Revelations, he wrote the book. We just give you all the praise and all the glory for his life. We thank you, Father, that in all things, in all things, you have made us more than conquerors, not through our ability, Lord, but through the blood of Jesus. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. Have your way. Thank you that you continue to write our story. It doesn't end until we see you, Lord. We have a beautiful story written in heaven from the very beginning of our conception. And I thank you, Father, that all of the people in this room, anyone who hears this message today, will know that God, who created them, is able to get them to where they're supposed to be in their story when we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. We give you all the praise today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. We'll give God praise this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, your life is a beautiful story. Now, you know, you might not be in the beautiful part right now, but we're going to say our confession, and then we're going to be seated. We're going to hear about the whole story. Hallelujah. I'm not going to preach from Genesis to Revelations, but uh, I believe God is finishing this series. I didn't really know there would be one more until uh, I knew I was preaching on Palm Sunday, and I thought, well, uh, really, this is, this is why we are who we are today. Amen. Let's say this. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. Don't hit them hard. Okay. I haven't had a message in a while that I don't know whether to start at the beginning or the end. But, and go backwards. How many of you get a book and you read the end? I always read the end. I want to see if it's worth reading. Hallelujah. And then I decide for when I get to the end. If I like the ending, I read the story. Hallelujah. Uh, my husband doesn't think that's the way to read books, but uh, where is he? He did say this morning, I've already heard some of the message because I shared some of it with him, and he said, do I have to come? <laughs> He's probably wandering, happy wanderer this morning. Well, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, five seventeen, and we're going to start there this morning because this is about you. Um, I don't know how many of you saw the video that my husband and I did. It was on Facebook. I tell you, that man, my sister, uh, I had my hair cut on Thursdays. I'm just going to give you a real short story here. But, and, and I was coming out of the kitchen, and my sister was standing there, and she said, you just look beautiful today, just beautiful. Your hair's beautiful. And, and, and I thought, well, okay. <laughs> so I started toward my office, and she follows me. She said, well, I just want to ask you something. Now, I don't know if you want to do this, but I just have had this, and I just tried to get everybody else to come get you to do it, but nobody will come but me. That was Morgan and Heather. She tried to get everybody in the office to come ask me. And uh, I said, well, what is it? She said, well, I want you to do a video for Facebook. I said, I don't do video. And she said, yes, you can. You just, because it's in your heart. Your message is in your heart. I'm sharing this with you because you'll see at the end of the message. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's in my heart. And I'll tell it on Sunday, but I don't want to be on a video. 
How many of you ever felt that way? I'm the same person that when family would come to hear us all sing, I'd go to my room and Chris would entertain for the entire time because I don't like to be up in front of people. So I said, I'll get Pastor Bill. So I go over to my husband's office. I said, honey, they need you to do a video <laughs> um, for this Sunday and next Sunday. And uh, he said, for what? And I said, for Facebook. Well, he doesn't even watch Facebook. And so, but I said, a lot of people do, and this is what they want us to do. And I said, no, just you. You, you do it. And, uh, and he said, well, we'll do it together. I said, no, that, that's the whole thing here. I, d I don't want to do it. And so he goes, well, yeah, tell them we'll do it. So I go back out. I tell Morgan she comes running in here. And I said, well, be sure and get his favorite thing up there, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And he bought these two new chairs. So we get on the chairs. Well, first I said, what are we going to say? He said, we're just going to say what's in our heart when we get up there. I'm thinking, that isn't even, that isn't even, I mean, now this is going from bad to worse. So, you know, because I love my husband and I love Jesus, and I was a little convicted that sometimes it is true. We need to tell people who he is and what he's about out of our heart. And uh, so the first time we did it, um, he, he was pretty good. He didn't act up or anything, and we got through it. And, uh, but then... It didn't take. The sound didn't work because he wanted to wear two lavaliers and that wouldn't work. So anyway, we get one. He's got it in the middle. He goes, we'll go one more time. And so, you know, I, by this time, I'm getting a little st stressed. If you saw my face in the beginning, I'm like, oh, holy cow. What is he going <laughs> to? You know how he acts up here on Wednesday night. Those of you who come on Wednesday night. And so um, he starts. And as soon as I start talking about what I'm going to talk about, though, I can just feel the love of God. And... Uh, and then I turned to him, and he says something like, I'm coming. And then he said, when I get to be a big boy or something like, I'm, I'm about to go. But I'm on camera. So. <laughs> anyway, they put it up. But, you know, I want to tell you, God is looking for people who will tell his story, who will tell their story. Because not only does he have a story, but because of his story, we all have a story. And it, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. Now, that was a small thing to do a video. But for me, that was a big thing, especially with Pastor Bill with no talk ahead of time. Just let's wing it. We'll be fine. He is excellent on video. I watched him out in Tulsa on television. He would do television things out there. And he would end right on the second that that thing ended. And I would just be in awe and thank God it wasn't me. That's what I thought. Okay, Second Corinthians. This is about you today. And it's about you doing things that are out of your comfort zone. But it's about his story. It's about who he is and about your story. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I always wondered what that meant. Because certainly we don't change on the outside. Old things have passed away. And some of us, it's hard to even change on the inside. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. 
That means no blame, no condemnation, no guilt, not any of that, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Not only reconciled us, but has committed to us the word to give to other people. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How many of you know in the world today that what people really need is to be in Christ, to know Jesus, to be reconciled. What's that mean? To be restored to who God made them to be. And until you know Jesus, the world has a hold of your life. And then it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, in the body of Christ, it's so hard to really understand just those scriptures right there. Uh, you're a new creation. How many of you, when you got saved, didn't feel like a new creation? I mean, you still look the same. But inside, you knew something happened. You know, you may not have had goosebumps. There wasn't a, you know, a big blast of a horn or anything. But in your inner man, something changed. Your spirit man became alive to the things of God. And because of that, everything that could hold you back in your life was removed. Everything that could hold you back from your destiny was taken away, and you were free to be who God called you to be. I love that song, Beautiful Story, because it talks about from, from beginning to ending, we go from glory to glory. Everybody say glory to glory. But a revelation of these scriptures, it would take several weeks to preach. But I just, I want to say to you today that what Jesus came to do, he accomplished. And that was to make you free to be who you were called to be. In Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus himself said what he came to do. And I want to look at that scripture because it's, a, it's really a, uh, a quote from Isaiah 61. And it's about Jesus. It says, so when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah which is where he's reading from, Isaiah 61. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Years ago, when I first read that, I read it in Isaiah 61 first. And it goes on and it says he's called us to be ministers of, of the word of God. That's all of us. Everybody say all of us. See, when we think of a minister, we think of the person that stands in a pulpit. But that's, that's the ministers of the gospel are all the people who know Jesus Christ. But as the enemy uh, moves about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, we become intimidated to share not just the story of the Lord, but the story of our own life. How many of you have a testimony? Your testimony will uh, cause people to know Jesus because it's real. Everybody say it's real. It's truth and it's real. And in the spirit realm, the realness of that story, the anointing of God will be on it to make a change. So everybody say this. I'm anointed, appointed, and called by God to be an ambassador. Now, I was thinking about an ambassador um, and today, the, the title of this portion of A Beautiful Story is The Reality of Royalty. Now, um, you know, I don't have a crown and a robe for everybody today. But you are, according to Revelations 1-6, kings and priests. 
It says he has made you kings and priests. You know, uh, Jesus was a king and he was the priest. In the old covenant, there was a priest and eventually there was a king. But the king and the priest came when David came and then Jesus. And so everybody say, I'm a king and I'm a priest. That just about covers whatever you're going to have to do. It says you have authority to exercise the truth of the word of God everywhere that you go. And so as, as we look at, um, I want to look at John 17 first, uh, John 17, 14. Um, Jesus said that we are not of the world. Everybody say, I'm not of the world. How many of you feel like you're of the world sometimes? You know, you got one foot over here and the other foot over here. And, you know, one foot over here and one foot over here will never get you the victory. When, when Jesus was on that road to uh, the cross, and we're going to talk about that later in this message, when he was on that road, he was nothing of this world. That's why he took all sin upon him. There was not one thing of the world. But he knew that it would be difficult for us. So he said, I am not of the world. He's asking his father in John 17, help them that though they're in the world, not to be of the world. Everybody say, there's, a, there's help. There's help for you. I have given them your word. Everybody say, it's the word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I want to give you a scripture, and it, I don't have it uh, right here, but it says in 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so are we in this world. Pastor Dan mentioned that in his message a couple of weeks. Was it last week? Two weeks ago. And that's the truth. Everybody say, that's the truth. You are not like the world. You may have feelings like the world. You may have temptations like the world, but you are not of the world. Because once you're born again, you have been separated from the things of the world. First Peter says you're a chosen race, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That means you're different from what the world is. And when you look at what the world is, it says in First John, the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So if you want to check out, is this a worldly thing or is this a godly thing? Just measure it by those three things. Is this the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? Then I'm getting into the world. And in the world, you cannot be an ambassador for what God wants to do. Now, an ambassador uh, lives in a very nice place, like royalty. They are protected. Uh, in, a, in a place in another nation. Uh, when I was in Israel last year, they had just moved the embassy of, uh, for the United States to Jerusalem for the first time ever. And so we have an ambassador that is there. And that ambassador operates out of that place. In some nations, uh, in fact, we had a tragic situation not too many years ago where uh, in the embassy, Many people, the military were killed. There were others killed in, in a nation where there was uh, an uprising and no protection. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm not political. But I want to tell you, God gave us a protection over us that puts us in like an embassy, a place of security. And we are ambassadors in that place. You say, where is that place? Everywhere you go. You know, our, our embassy moves with us. In other words, everywhere we go, we are an ambassador. We, now, this is what the definition is. An official envoy, a diplomatic agent of highest rank. Turn to your neighbor and say, I knew, I knew about you. Yeah. 
Yeah. It may be what you think about you. A highest rank credited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special, often temporary diplomatic assignment. Do you know what that says? That says that you are an agent of God in this, in this world, which is not the kingdom you live in because you've been translated out of that kingdom into his marvelous light, into his kingdom. And so you are now a diplomatic agent of the highest rank. Are you getting this today? This is part of your story. This is part of your story, Israel. You know, you, it doesn't matter where you are, Mexico, America, or wherever you are, you are a diplomatic agent for God, which supersedes all those other things. And this is what it says. You're a resident representative of the kingdom of God, of his or, his or her own government. What's the government that's been established over us as believers? The government of heaven. So we are representative of that here in the earth, appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. The things of this world are temporary. They're temporal. What's eternal is where we're going to spend the rest of our life. And it's a lot longer than right here. Everybody say it's temporary. So that helps us with our assignment right here, being that ambassador that God called us to be. We won't, we won't be assigned to this world forever. One day we'll all go to heaven to be with Jesus. And so, you know, I was thinking when I was talking to my mother yesterday, she's 95 or almost 96, and... Um, I said to her, she was kind of down yesterday, I said, now, Mother, I know that it's not easy living in this place, but you have always wanted to help people. So get yourself out of the chair and get out there and help somebody. And she goes, you know, I think I needed this. I said, yes, you did. Because the enemy is trying to make her think it's over. Well, it's not over because she has not seen Jesus in person yet. So... You know, I said, Mom, I love you, but I'm not going to go, oh, it's, it's so bad. Because I, I don't like it either that you have to be here. But I said, what would be worse if you were with your, me or Chris, my sister? That would be worse. I don't mean that we're mean or anything, but we're never home. And she would be sitting there all day by herself in danger because she doesn't know when she turns the stove on or, you know, things like that. I said, so, Mother, you are in a very safe place. I didn't call it the embassy, but I said to her this, because she'd never believe that one, believe me, and I wouldn't either. But, but she's in a safe place, and she still has life in her. And I said, go down there and play the piano. Four notes don't work. I said, 84 do. <laughs> now, you may say, that's terrible to treat your mother like that. No, I don't think so. Because when I got done, she believed more in her than she did when I got there. It's important that people know their story. My mother has a story. She still has a story. She goes down and plays on a piano that's out of tune with four missing notes, and people come to hear her who are older, not as old as she. And she can't sing like she used to be able to, but in her heart is the living God. Amen? So it's not over till it's over, folks. We are always an ambassador with the love of God to take to people everywhere that we go. We're royalty. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're royalty. We're royalty. You're also a minister of reconciliation. Now, that doesn't mean 
that you have to be a preacher or one of the fivefold ministry. It just means that you're a child of God and you have an assignment to take what he has given you to somebody else. And, you know, I, I love the scripture in Ephesians where it says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And then it says, and you're saved by grace. <laughs> you know, you're seated in heavenly places. And sometimes the enemy would like to remind you, well, you know, you, how could you be seated in a heavenly place? Well, it's by grace. Everybody say it's by grace. It's by the blood of Jesus that I'm in this position. It's by the blood of Jesus that you're in your position. That's where you work today. That's the people you're with every day. Do you know there are people that you work with that are, um, they're going to hell. Now, you may not be the one to lead them to Jesus, but because you live like royalty, because you walk in the love of God, because you accept people right where they are, because you give them the opportunity to take, uh, prefer them over even yourself, that opens an opportunity for them, a door for them to want what you have. You know, I was, I don't know what God is getting ready to do, but it's getting exciting. The other day I went to breakfast, and you know, my, my, uh, my ministry in the restaurants that everybody makes fun of, but I believe it's my ministry because I went to this ministry, I went to the diner the other day. <laughs> my granddaughter's back there laughing at me because I call her to meet me at the diner. You know, I like to go where people are and uh, just, you know, just greet people and, and be kind to people because you can see people love the light. Everybody say they love the light. And, and the story doesn't even have to be spoken. The, spo the stories live through your life. And I walk in, I sit down, I was waiting on my sister, and this girl comes up to me. She said, Pastor Pam, I, I just need somebody to talk to. I said, well, sit down. So we, I end up talking with her. Chris gets there, and so I said, pull up a chair. So she's sitting there, and she has two little children. She's trying to, she said, I don't know what to do with my life. I said, well, there's a purpose. There's, you hit me on the right week. Hallelujah. You're an ambassador for God. I didn't tell her that yet, but, you know, I just thought, God, this is so good because the people around there, there were people around. I didn't pay any attention, but uh, finally I said to her, well, we're going to pray for you right here. So I just take her hand. She's sitting in her chair. We're praying in the restaurant. I believe it's coming, folks. People are so desperate that they're going to call out for you. It isn't about Pastor Pam. It's about a minister of reconciliation. It's about an ambassador for Jesus Christ. It's someone who knows their authority who can say to someone, you are going to make it. It is going to be okay when they're at their lowest point. And I'm, Sandy, she's gonna, you're going to call her because I sent you a note. I said, I will get somebody to meet with you. I can't do it, but I have somebody in the church. I said, she used to meet with me. She knows, she knows what I'd say. Right, Sandy? <laughs> Pastor Tough Love up here. And, uh, but, but it's truth. Everybody say it's truth. But that little gal is wanting to do the right thing with her children and the fiancé she has. God knows about that. And so he just puts you somewhere where you're right there to be the one to say, okay, this is, we can get you the help. You don't always have to be the help. But you can connect somebody to who is the help. Amen? Amen. You know, when I was um, look, listening to this, or listening to God give me this message, um, I, was, I was thinking about the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And uh, if you, it, there's a scripture somewhere, it's back in, in Matthew somewhere, where he was on his way to Jerusalem. And um, he stopped in a village in, in Samaria. And, you know, 
typically the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't get along, and he was going through that village, and um, they they didn't want to they didn't want anything to do with him, and uh, the disciples said, "Well, you do want us to call down fire from heaven, and just you know take care of this right now." How many of you know that's not really the way an ambassador acts? Well, Jesus said, "You don't even know what." a manner of spirit that I am. And he said, it's okay because I'm on my way to Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He knew that he was going to Calvary for you and for me. And and so, you know, he wasn't, Jesus didn't have to strike out. He just had to be who he was. And I want to read through that story, and then I want to share a video with you. Um, Lord, what do I show the video first? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Um, can you put it up there for me? Um, now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, how did he know that? Because God had already orchestrated that. It was part of his story. Everybody say it was part of his story. It was part of the story. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. You know, we know a, we know a um, young man out in Tulsa. He was on staff with us at Victory in the beginning. He's not so young anymore. He's actually on TBN now, Tom Newman. and And back in the day... Uh, he was looking for a building for his ministry, and he felt God showed him the building. So he went to breakfast with this man, and in the breakfast, uh, he was a very wealthy businessman, but he owned this building, and nothing was in it. And so Tom was telling him what he wanted to do with it. He was into video production, um, Toymaker's Dream. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that was one, the thing that he did all over the U.S. with young people, and um, and he's, he was telling him why he needed it, and the man just wasn't really interested in letting him have that building. And finally, um, Tom said to him, uh, well, I'm supposed to say to you, the Lord has need of it. And the man gave him the building. Everybody say, the Lord has need of it. When the Lord wants to do something with some, whatever it is, he will get that job done. But he needs people who are bold enough to know who they are and to know that they have been commissioned by God to say, the Lord has need of it. That's why I'm here. And the man gave him the building. I believe God has a lot of assignments for us like that because we are to be the overcomers more than conquers through our faith. And the other day the Lord said, gave me this, just this quick thing. Expectation is, uh, oh, Lord, help me remember it. Not the demonstration. Do you remember what it was, Sandy? Yeah, no, expectation is the evidence of faith. It's like if, you, if you're not expecting something, then you're not walking in faith. In other words, your expectation reveals your faith. And so if you have no expectation, if you don't think there's any more to your story than where you are right now, then you're not walking in faith. Okay, now, don't throw stones. 
But that's the truth. If, it, if God was saying that to me, uh, you know, God will give you words all day long, just like he gave Tom that word to say to that man, the Lord has a need of it. That's why, that's why I'm here today. Not because I want a building, not because I want a, a big building to do what I want to do, because the Lord has things he wants to do. Through that, promotion comes when you're in that position. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, and this is from um, Zechariah chapter 12, tell, or 9, tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king. Everybody say your king. Your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. And then it goes on. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he. In, the, in two other gospels, it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then it goes on. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And then the last verse, there's, is there another verse? Okay. In another part of scripture, it says, if they don't shout out, the rocks will cry out. Everybody say, I'm going to shout out. <laughs> I'm going to shout out. The king is coming. Now, if he's king and in this world, so are we as he is. And first uh, Revelation chapter 1, 6 says, you have been, he has made you kings and priests. Then the same authority when you walk into a place was is the same authority that was in Jesus when he walked on the earth. I believe that God has signs and wonders ready for the body of Christ, but we have to accept the role of an ambassador. Everybody say ambassador. You know, Wednesday night my husband was preaching, and his very last scripture was out of Ephesians chapter 6, the very end of it, talking about being an ambassador. And Sandy talked about being an ambassador in 7 and 7 not very long ago. I listen to things like that when God is speaking because oftentimes those are words that God is speaking to us. If you're an ambassador, then you are royalty. That means that you have authority. Everybody say authority. And so when you walk in, nobody's, nobody's crying out. The rocks are not crying out or any of that. But when you walk in with authority, the power of God is there to do and accomplish the same things that Jesus accomplished. Now, I just happened to, I don't watch uh, Instagram much, but it came up on my phone. And so I got on Instagram, and it was uh, Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes. <laughs> How many of you know Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes? Well, uh, Pastor Paul Doherty in Tulsa had had T.D. Jakes over and just sat down with him in a chair and interviewed him one, one night. And it was just the best interview. T.D. Jakes uh, was a man from West Virginia, very close to where my daughter-in-law lived in Bell, uh, West Virginia. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be a great-grandma again. Another boy. Hallelujah. God said, I want sons. Well, my, my kids are doing it. Hallelujah. We're, up, we're having sons all over the place. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, T.D. Jakes had a church for years and years and years, and it didn't do anything. And then God moved him to Dallas, and you know the rest of the story. It's a gigantic church. 
but the man has such uh, wisdom and, and knows the scriptures so well. Everybody say, know the word. If you're an ambassador, then you're delivering the word. That's really what you're delivering. And um, so I watched this video, and I have, to, I have to read this because there's a play on Broadway called Hamilton. Um, and so it's, it's history, but it's a musical. And there are several songs in it. And so Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes, you'll see it in a second, he has him sit down. He says, I want to play a game. This is Stephen Furtick. And he's, he said, oh, okay. And uh, you won't see this part, so I have to give it to you because there's three different things in it. But, uh, and he said, okay. He said, this is what we're going to do. It's called the Hamilton Challenge. And T.D. Jokes kind of laughs, and he goes, okay. He said, well, I'm going to give you the name of a song, and then you are going to give me a text or a scripture and give me a one-minute message on that title of that song. Well, the first one was My Shot. And he, he talked about the arrows where the guy uh, in the Old Covenant shot the arrow, but he didn't shoot it as much or as far as he should have. And T.D. Jake said he should have shot the arrow. My shot. I shoot the arrow. Far. Anyway, get on and watch it on YouTube. But this is, this is the next one was The Room Where It Happens. And he talked about uh, the room of the, um, where the girl died and Jesus put everybody out of the room. And then he said, can you imagine outside that room, they hear shuffling of feet and they know something's going on. They don't know what's going on. And they open the door and the girl comes out. He said, the important thing is I always want to be in the room where he is. I mean, it's much better when he does it. But okay, this is the one you're going to hear. Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? One more. Yes, do it. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Early in the morning, the breaking of day, the women wrap themselves up to go down to the tomb. Loyal to a Jesus who has become extremely controversial, has been executed, not crucified, executed on the cross. And yet they are still going down, even though he did not do what they thought he was going to do. These women rise up early and go down to the tomb. Only when they arrived at the tomb with the dew on the ground and the mist in the air and the fragrance of death still lurking in the inner chamber, the stone has been rolled away. And sitting on top of the stone on each side is an angel saying, he is not here. He has risen from the dead. And the question then becomes, since he is not here, who tells the story? This woman comes running back. It is totally inappropriate in a misogynic age that a woman would be the first one to carry the message. But there are some times and some seasons that you have to break the protocol of the day. Because Jesus was looking for somebody who was bold enough to walk into a room full of men and tell them, I know for myself, he is risen from the dead. I am alive to tell his story. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I thought that would be amazing. It was a hundred times better than I ever imagined. (laughs)
One more. Yes, do it. One more. Yes, do it. He had told him right before that, I don't even got any more. You better stop. He goes, just one more. Uh, but I thought, God, thank you for letting me look at that. I, I just want to tell you a few things today, that I, you know, just as a friend. Listen for what God's saying. I, I was sitting by the river, and these big chunks of ice went by in the water. And God said to me, that's the way a lot of people are, just hard, you know, floating in the river, just hard as a rock. He said, but when those ice things get downstream, where the water's warmer, they're going to melt. Where the power of God is and the fire of the Holy Spirit, people's hearts melt. That was just a quick ting. I'm <laughs> writing it down. And then he said, one other day he said to me, um, flip a coin. I thought, yeah, people flip a coin. He said, what does it say? Heads or tails? He said, you're not the head, you're the tail. Make sure you flip the coin the right way. That's the God who loves you. That's the God who's writing your story. That's the God who says, did you hear what he said? Even when it didn't look like he did what they thought he would do, they still were going to tell his story even when God's not doing what you believe he should do. I just believe God wants to minister to some of you today because your story is not over. None of our stories are over. The key is that the word has to be first place because the ambassador delivers the word. We don't deliver what we know. We don't deliver what we think. We deliver the word. You know, Derek... You remind me of Stephen Furtick. When I look at you, just, just want to say that to you. The power of God is in him. The power of God is in all of us. But see, God gives you things to say, things to do that connect with somebody's spirit and wake them up. And then God can do what he wants to do in their lives. Let's stand today in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I would just say to you that um, I believe that we're living in a day where we can tell his story because people want to hear his story. And uh, certainly we wouldn't be as eloquent and as quick at it as T.D. Jakes maybe, but um, I believe that man does what he does because he spent time listening for God. And so when he's called on instantly, everybody say suddenly, <laughs> instantly, in season, psh, out his mouth comes what he's supposed to say. I believe we can all do that.